Well, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Corey, and I serve as the Connections Director here at CPC. And uh, some of you may already know this about me, but I, I didn't exactly grow up as an outdoorsy uh, kind of guy. Um, our family trips when I was young were, were more so to like baseball stadiums and golf courses and that sort of thing, uh, not your national parks or your lakes or your campgrounds. Um, us Gregory's kind of opted more for like the air-conditioned hotel room like that actually has a bed in it um, versus the whole pitching a tent in the middle of the woods and braving the elements business. But, um, you know... When I was invited last summer uh, to go to the Boundary Waters for the first time, uh, let's just say because of this, this upbringing of mine that it was a bit of a stretch for me. Uh, within the first few hours, all of my fears and everything I had in my mind about camping and fishing and, and all that jazz were, were really realized. Uh, we portaged with canoes on our backs um, I thought boats were supposed to stay in the water, but we had these canoes on our backs and we're sweating like dogs through the fly-infested woods. And then I watched my buddy set up our tent, keyword watched, um, and I was perplexed by the, the uneven ground and kind of the amount of rocks onto which this tent was being placed. Uh, and then we went fishing. And oh boy, <laughs> um, not only did it take me about five minutes to, to put this little leech, you know, the slimy little sucker on the, on the hook, uh, but I cast into the water for the first time, and, and within seconds, uh, my line goes flying in different directions. Like, this thing is knotted up in eight different places. So I let my canoe buddy kind of figure that one out, and, and finally I get my line back in the water, and, and I wait. I'm like, all right, we're, we're fishing. We're, we're, we're doing the deal, right? I'm ready to do this. But, but then a few minutes turns into several minutes, and I'm still just staring at the water, not a bite, not a nibble. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, this, this is so lame. <laughs> like, th this is why fishing is brutal. Like, you, nothing is happening. I'm staring at the water. Like, people call this a vacation. I don't understand. And we sat there for over an hour, staring at nothing, when, when finally another canoe in our group calls from the other side of the lake, and they, they say, hey, you got to get over here. You got to check out this other side of the lake the fish are going nuts over here. And so I'm not really buying it at this point, but we get over to the other side, and, and it's up against this cool little, you know, bay, and there's a rock wall, and, and we start casting, and, you know, I kind of get ready to relax and do nothing. That's what I expected. But before I even could set my pole down, I look out, and the bobber, bobber is, is under the water. And I didn't know what to do at this point, so I just yanked that thing and, and started, you know, reeling front, you know, forwards, backwards. I don't know what I was doing, but, but next thing I knew, I, I had a fish on the hook, and that thing was in the boat. And so I did it again in the exact same story. Within seconds, another fish was, was on the hook, and then a third, and a fourth, and, and within a matter of minutes, we, we had a dozen fish in our boat. And all of a sudden, I'm beginning to think, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I, I might be a fisherman. Like, I, I kind of like this. I'm having a good time. Like, I, I hate to admit it, but this is fun all of a sudden. Now, of course, there's all sorts of variables when it comes to fishing, right? Uh, you want to have the right gear and, you know, the right time of day you got to go. And, and the right weather always helps. And certainly the, the expertise, or, or in my case, the lack thereof, uh, plays a role. But what was more true than, than anything else for us that day was that we needed to be invited to a different side of the lake. We needed to chart a, a different course and explore another area. 
You see, for hours I was bored out of my mind, wishing I could do something, really anything else. But until our buddies called us to the other side, it was at that point when fishing went from painful to to thrilling in a matter of minutes. And I was struck by this experience of mine and the similarity with that of Jesus' disciples that we find in the scriptures. Today we're going to be in the Gospel of John. And I want to read first out of chapter 21. You see, this takes place after Jesus had been crucified and, and buried and, and he rose from the grave. And, and many people forget that Jesus actually appeared to the disciples and, and other groups of people after he resurrected and before he ascended into heaven. And so this passage is, is one of those. It says in chapter 21, verse 1, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, they were all together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side. Throw throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large numbers of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. You see, the disciples didn't recognize Jesus. But yelling from the shore, he commanded them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat where he had something waiting for them. Today, as you heard Carrie mention and and Ron as well, we're beginning a new six-week series called The Other Side. And this is going to act as a bit of a mantra for us as we allow ourselves to simply sit in the reality of our world today and listen for the voice of Jesus In the midst of a global pandemic, what does Jesus have to say to us about our uncertainty? About transitions we're facing? About the anxiety we might be feeling? How could Jesus reorient our thinking when everything around us seems so far from normal? From pandemics to protests and everything in between. It's almost become cliche for us to say that we are living in unprecedented times, right? But, but let me refresh you just a little bit of what's happened in 2020 so far. The year began with a continuation of Australian wildfires. You might remember this. It feels like an eternity ago. But, but these wildfires decimated a record 47 million acres across the country and the continent, displacing thousands of people. On January 26th, we unexpectedly lost one of the great basketball players of our time, Kobe Bryant, to a helicopter crash. We had a president who was impeached and later acquitted. On March 11th, the World Health Organization officially declared the coronavirus a pandemic after it had spread to more than 100 countries at that point. Shortly thereafter, the Dow plummeted uh, nearly 3,000 points, its worst drop since 1987. The Olympics and really every other sporting event from youth leagues to professional teams was canceled and postponed. As we all know, schools across the country closed and scrambled to really create a virtual learning environment and and the workplaces followed suit. And, And when things couldn't seem to get any worse, 
Minneapolis became the epicenter in, in many ways of the racial injustice movements with the death of George Floyd. Over the last few months, we have been unable to see certain loved ones. We've become accustomed to keeping our distance from one another and, and wearing masks everywhere we go. We've grieved the postponement of weddings and graduations and funerals. Dr. Anthony Fauci has become a household name and the computer platform Zoom, our, our latest public house for gathering. There was a run on toilet paper. You might remember that for a while. That was weird. And now it's nearly impossible for a 16-year-old to, to sign up to go get their driver's license. I, I don't think those two are related, but at a certain point, you guys, it, it's not too far-fetched to, to suggest that the Netflix documentary Tiger King might actually be the most normal part of 2020 so far. How's your year going? How's your year going? The last few months have obviously been filled with all sorts of different emotions and reactions from all of us, right? But picture yourself in that boat with the disciples over 2,000 years ago. Imagine what they had been going through. For three years, these guys had, had put their hope, their, their faith, their future in the person of Jesus Christ who they believed was going to make all things right in the world, to bring God's shalom to the world. But just a couple of weeks before that, he was killed. Their realities were, were turned upside down, and their hopes were dashed. Everything they thought they knew, everything they had given their life towards, was upended by a reality that was completely out of their control. Now here's what I find interesting. If you go back just one chapter in the book of John, go back to chapter 20. Jesus had been buried and he laid in his tomb for a couple days. And it was on that first Easter morning when Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, she showed up to the tomb and find, found out that, that Jesus' body was gone. Her response was not Easter joy, but it was deep sadness. For she naturally assumed that, that the body had been stolen, that someone had taken it. And the scriptures tell us in, in John 20 that she was weeping, she was crying. And then in the most profound moment of, of her life, I'm sure, the resurrected Lord Jesus, he shows up. He appears to her and he asks, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? She didn't recognize him at first, but once he calls her by name, she cries out, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she's overjoyed. And, and in that moment, Jesus meets her in her tears. He meets her and then he gives her a job to do. He says, go tell my disciples. Go tell my disciples of this good news. Well, those disciples were in hiding. And they were fearful that, that the people who came for Jesus, was gonna, they were going to come for them as well. And so, so they were hiding behind locked, closed doors. They were in isolation. And later that night, to their amazement, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, mysteriously appears to them as well. He came and he stood with them. He, he shared a meal with them. And, and then just like he did with Mary, he gave them a job to do. He said, as my father sent me, now I am sending you. Jesus shows up and he gives them a mission. And lastly, but later in that chapter, we learn that, that one of the disciples, Thomas, 
He wasn't there that night. And he had spent the whole rest of that week telling the others, hey, I'm not going to believe you until I actually see Jesus for myself. Well, the disciples were in that same locked room, closed doors once more, and, and Jesus came again. He invited Thomas to, to see and touch the wounds in his hands and in his side. And it was the scars which proved his identity and the wounds that revealed his love. This is John's gospel in chapter 20, the, the good news. You see, we see that the days after Jesus' resurrection, were, those were filled with tears, with locked doors, and with doubt. These disciples had faced not a mere interruption of their lives, but an utter disruption of everything they knew and expected. Tears filled the places where loved ones were missing. Locked doors separated the disciples from the fears of the outside world and what might come next. And doubt prevailed until proof of a better future was made certain. Tears, locked doors, and doubt. Sound familiar? For most of us, this has been our reality in some way, shape, or form in this season as well. These stories bring us to chapter 21 that we just read, where Peter, Thomas, and the others go fishing. And again, Jesus surprises them. He shows up on the shore. And he proves to them once more that, that what they thought was, was the end of the story was in fact just the beginning. Try the other side of the boat, he says. Friends, I believe that the events of the last few months provide for us a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do some soul-searching, to examine our lives, to ask ourselves questions like, what does God want my life to look like? What is he trying to teach me? Where might he be leading me? And I don't know about you, but it is so tempting to, to treat this season like a, a mere interruption rather than a disruption. An interruption is, is something that comes and it goes. It's, it's a brief pause or it's a timeout. And then you go back to doing whatever it is you were doing before that. Like when there's breaking news on TV, right? They, they say, we interrupt your program to bring you breaking news. And then you get your news and, and you go back to your regularly scheduled program, right? As if nothing had happened. But a disruption is, is something that changes the way we live into the future, a disruption is the way the invention of the smartphone changed our method of communication forever, right? Disruption is, is the way that the company Uber innovatively challenged the existing taxicab business. Disruption is the way that Netflix altered the movie and the television industry, something that we're all very thankful for these last few months. Disruption is what happened in the miracle of Jesus resurrecting from the dead and, and showing up to the disciples at the tomb behind locked doors and, and on the shore. Disruption is what happens when these disciples then go on mission throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the rest of the known world to tell people that Jesus is still alive and that he still shows up. Disruption is what happens when a global pandemic with no end in sight, changes everything we know to be normal. 
It causes tears for many, doubts for most, and, and quarantine for all. It feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? It's oftentimes painful. It's usually not quick, but, but disruption also oftentimes produces positive outcomes, generative thinking, and new realities and possibilities that, that we can't fathom even. It forces us, even when we don't expect it or don't want it, to, to open our eyes to what's really going on around us. And often, often it shows us a better way. The disciples were not expecting Jesus to show up. What about you? Are you expecting him to show up? You know, we've all had different experiences throughout this pandemic. But there does seem to be some common themes that, that most of us relate to in one way or another. For one, it's, it's challenged our notion of how we spend our time. Right? How many of us have, have been confronted with the reality that, that we've been going really hard for a really long time? Certainly, some have been forced to scramble to, to stay afloat during this time. But the large majority of us, in some way, shape, or form, have discovered newfound margin in our lives. The mirage of finding time actually became a reality for many of us when we were forced to slow down or to work from home or to stay home or when there was nothing open to preoccupy us. And so we took up a new hobby or we read that book that's been on the nightstand for ages. Right? Or maybe spent time with God in a more unhurried or peaceful way. This influx of margin, I think, has changed relationships for a lot of us as well. Certainly some have experienced the, the burden of, of not getting to see loved ones, right? Or visit the hospital or celebrate a, a life that's been lost. And that stuff is so real and, and so hard. But I also hear story after story of parents who are connecting with their kids in ways that are long overdue. Of small groups and circles of friends who, who are rallying together to creatively care for or, or celebrate people in ways that have, would never have happened if it weren't for this disruption. I think ironically, when, when given time, it seems that we have focused a bit more on those that matter most and perhaps a little less on all the other stuff. You know, when I was serving at another church just a year ago here in the Twin Cities, I became friends with an amazing older gentleman, Jerry. Jerry was an 81-year-old volunteer of ours, and he put a smile on everyone's face as he greeted them in to church each week. Well, Jerry and I developed a little bit of a, a friendship along the way, and, and a couple weeks into quarantine, so like the end of March or so, I get a phone call from a number that I didn't recognize. And I don't know about you, but I, I never really picked those up. But for some reason, I, I answered this one. And, and on the other end of the line, I hear, Hey there, is this Gregory Enterprises? <laughs> and I, I chuckled, and immediately I knew who it was. Ah, oh, Jer Bear. He didn't call for any other reason than to just say hi and to check in on me and see how I was doing. We ended up chatting for over a half hour that day because we could. And we closed our conversation, getting the chance to pray together, which I rarely do on the phone. You guys, I, I hate the phone. Like, I can't remember the last time that I, I made a phone call to someone that I didn't have to. But Jerry showed me a different way, a, a better way. 
He modeled for me the, the power of a phone call. And so after that, I committed to making one phone call each day, not, not a text, not a Facebook message, but, but a, an actual real live phone call to simply say hi and check in on someone. It lasted well over a month, which for me felt like a really long time. But it was amazing what I discovered about people and how good for my soul it was. And it would have never happened if Jerry, amidst the disruption of this pandemic, hadn't reached out and modeled the love of Jesus for me. For others, your work, your work life has been put into perspective in new ways. Certainly there have been difficult layoffs or maybe tough decisions to make without enough information. I get that. But, but for many of us, our identity is so wrapped up in what we do for a living that as painful as it might be, maybe getting through to the other side of this pandemic means actually reorienting our identities and our, our values around something bigger and better than our day job. Maybe for you, it's in your finances or your neighbors or your political views. I don't know what it is. But what has Jesus been teaching you this season? Are you treating this like an interruption, hoping to just kind of go back to, to business as usual when some sort of normal surfaces? But what if this is actually a, a disruption and there's something way better for you on the other side that maybe you don't even realize yet? Researcher and author Brene Brown wrote this recently. I love this quote. She said, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, friends. We are being given an opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. You see, the disciples, I think, were living with so many of the same emotions and realities that we are right now. And as fishermen, they didn't know what to do other than to go back to what they were used to, go fishing. But when they least expected it, Jesus showed up. Not only does he invite them to go to the other side of their boat to, to haul in some fish, he invites them to go to the other side of the cross he invites him into resurrection life with him. And when the disciples go and meet Jesus on the shore, Jesus and Peter actually have this, this cool, intimate exchange. Three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Oh, you know I love you, Peter confirms each time. And each time, Jesus gives him a mission. Hey, take care of my sheep. Care for my people. You see, we live on this side of the cross and we can have hope that there is something better on the other side of this pandemic for us as well. The Gospel of John, we, we see that the resurrected, the, the risen Jesus continually does two things. One is he unexpectedly shows up. And two is he gives his followers a mission. He gives them a job to do. Some of us have been wandering for a while now. And it would surprise us if Jesus actually showed up, wouldn't it? Well, you know what? 
the disciples were surprised as well. They had no hope. They didn't know what was coming next. But there he was. Amidst the tears, behind closed doors, surrounding the doubts and the disbelief, Jesus shows up. So where do you need Jesus to show up in your life right now? Would you be willing to invite him in to that space, to those places? Some of us may be actively following Jesus, and and we need to be reminded that when Jesus doesn't only show up, but but when he does, he gives us a job to do. Jesus is asking, "Do, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Take care of my people, will you? What mission do you feel Jesus might be calling you to these days? Are are there people, are there places, opportunities, maybe even risks that might help you live more fully into the Jesus way during this season? As we close, I just want to pray for us. And whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, you might be sensing that it's time to connect with Jesus. It might be your first time feeling that, or, or maybe it's just been a really long time for you. But something about these last several months has shown you another side, either through difficult circumstances or, or great celebrations and, and positive changes. Whatever it is, you're beginning to realize that, that there's got to be a better way out there. So let's pray together and, and invite Jesus to show up and to show us a, a better way. Let's pray. King Jesus, today we acknowledge that through times of tears and, and isolation, doubt, or, or even skepticism, you bring your way of love, of peace, of grace, and of hope. For ways that we've screwed up, you offer us forgiveness. And for relationships that need to be restored, you offer fresh starts. Jesus, for those here right now who feel like they've been running the other direction, my prayer is that they would hear your voice calling to them and inviting them back to you with open arms. Would you show them the goodness of your grace? Give them rest for their souls. Show them what new life in you looks like. We don't deserve it, but you died for us as a gift available to each of us. What a beautiful, upside-down disruption. And the world will never be the same because of it. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen.